Welcome to this GemTrain.org presentation, where you will be able to enjoy some wonderful free content that we sincerely hope will help you overcome the challenges of autism. Some content from this presentation is not included here, but the entire presentation is available on our website, GemTrain.org. Um. Hi, my name is Allison DaCosta. I am a speech-language pathologist. I have my Certificate of Clinical Competence. Uh, I'm a member of ASHA, which is the American Speech and Language Hearing Association. Um, certified, I went to uh, Idaho State University to get my master's degree and the University of Utah to get my undergrad. Um, I have been specializing in, with children with disabilities for many years now. Um, my first job that I had out of grad school was to work at a junior high and I worked in their EDID unit, which is emotionally disturbed and intellectually disabled. Um, so they were both combined and so that was a very unique and interesting experience for me and I got to learn about children who have a really, really, really extra hard time uh, participating in school and learning. Um, I started this clinic, I am the owner of ReTherapy Services, started this clinic because I just saw a great need um, for families to just get services um, that they weren't getting in our particular area. Um, I am from a very rural area, um, my hometown is 300 people, and so I, I started to meet people that were not able to get the services that they needed for their children with autism. And I knew that if I could make a difference, that I needed to do it. And so we started the clinic and we've been at it ever since. So we have a speech therapy, occupational therapy, and behavior therapy in our clinic. Um, why do children with autism need speech therapy? Speech therapy helps children be able to learn to communicate. Without the ability to communicate, it creates frustration, it makes it really hard to establish relationships, and it makes it really difficult for people to be able to express what they want and what they need. And so speech therapy helps families to be able to accomplish those tasks so that everyone can be able to live life instead of just living autism. So today, I'm going to give you some practical tips and helps to know how you and your family can use speech therapy at home. People believe that speech therapists, we mostly just work on articulation. We teach children how to say their R's or their different sounds. But speech language pathology is so much more than that. So um, we, we cover several different areas. We cover um, speech, of course, articulation. That also includes phonology, which are the rules that govern how speech sounds are put together. Um, we also cover language, which can be anything from our grammar to how we're organizing and we're organizing words and putting them together, like storytelling. Um, and then it can also speech language uh, therapy also includes social, um, social skills, how we interact with people. All of that is communication, and so speech therapy covers many many aspects. Speech therapy also uh, covers people who have had strokes, and also we're the swallowing experts. So speech therapy does an immense. It covers an immense amount of material, um, and so that there's there is a lot that goes into that. 
speech therapy in a nutshell would be taking a child who has difficulty communicating, being able to, to figure out where those precise holes are in their language or speech or social patterns are, and then be able to de de design specific treatments for those particular things, and then be able to do that treatment and be able to teach them those skills. A lot of our, the thing about autism is that what takes a typically developing child one or two or three times to learn can take our children with autism 10 to 15 times longer than that. And so speech therapy really comes into play in that because we're teaching very explicit skills. And so it's really hard as a parent at home, even though you may have the understanding of some parts of those, what your child, your child needs to be saying, two words by the time they're two. You may have that understanding, but as a parent, do you have the time to be able to teach them that 30 to 50 times that a speech therapist can more easily do in a controlled therapeutic environment? As a speech therapist, you know, when they think that we're only doing speech therapy, working on articulation, we see mommy blogs all the time that say, oh, you can do speech therapy at home. There are some aspects of speech therapy you absolutely can do at home. That's fantastic. Like if you can work on words and sounds at home, that's wonderful. The beauty of having a speech therapist involved, even if it's just to do an evaluation and guide how you're treating your own child, is that the speech therapist can say, let's talk about what is developmentally appropriate. If your child's two and not saying they're ours, totally fine. That's totally developmentally appropriate. If they're two and three and not saying a P sound or a B sound, that's a little bit more concerning for a speech therapist. So yes, there are things, some aspects of this, the field of speech therapy that you can do at home, but it's always better to be guided by a speech therapist. During this course, I will be referring to speech language pathology by speech therapy, just to make it easier and it's more common and relatable, but speech Therapy is actually speech and language and communication and social and play therapy. Um, so as we go through this course, you'll hear me refer to it as speech therapy, but there's so much more than that. So I get asked all the time, how would, how do I know how to select a good speech therapist for my child? And that's a great question. Um, for families with autism, that's a little more specific. As I've worked through this field, as I've begun working with children with autism, as, and as I've gone throughout my career, Children with autism are a very unique group of children. And in order to be able to serve that population appropriately, you do need someone who's experienced with autism. There are certain aspects of speech that when I was not experienced with, with autism, I could still do that. But there's many things that come with autism, such as behaviors, such as particular particularities um, of, children with autism, that if you're not experienced with children with autism, those are very difficult to treat um, because you end up not targeting the, the appropriate targets. Um, such as um, working with children with autism, you often want to start with attention. Whereas with, um, with typically developing children, you can generally direct them a little quicker uh, or more quickly. I have many friends and family members, people in the community ask me how to choose an appropriate speech therapist. So in that, I would like to say to our families with autism, 
it is a very important decision that you make. I have found that working with a behavior analyst and an occupational therapist has made me a much better speech-language pathologist. I get to get a greater feeling of what the whole child with autism looks like instead of just the child who needs speech and language therapy. So as parents are out and looking for what would best serve their child, I would highly recommend to find a speech language pathologist that actually serves children with autism, that that is one of their specialties. There are many skills that, that when you're working with neurotypical children, you don't address because it's, you know, you can kind of direct them. So for example, attention. With a neurotypical child, you can address that very quickly. Um, you can get them to attend to an object. You can do some play things that they will engage with very quickly. However, with our children with autism, some of those attention pieces are very difficult. Um, to attend to, to play is very, very difficult. And so some of the tricks that speech therapists use don't necessarily work with children with autism. Um, along, with, along with some of that attention, um, choosing a speech therapist that's experienced with autism, you get a speech therapist that knows what to do about behaviors and tantruming. Whereas when you work, whereas a speech language pathologist who doesn't work with autism as much, they don't have to experience that as often. In fact, we have clients come to our clinic who say, the speech therapist said that I couldn't, they couldn't see them until they didn't have behaviors anymore. And for us at our clinic, we're like, oh, behaviors are an absolutely everyday thing and we work together as a team. And so I would highly recommend for families who are, are looking for a speech therapist to find someone who's A, experienced with autism and B, preferably someone who's working with an occupational therapist and a board certified behavior analyst. So a big question that I get is why is it important for a speech therapist to work in collaboration with a behavior analyst and an occupational therapist? For me, working with this population as long as I have, there's no question in my mind that I need an occupational therapist and I need a behavior analyst. Um, in our clinic, for example, when I have a child, and I'm experienced with children with autism, but when I have a child who's having behaviors that I can't seem to get a handle on, I go next door and I talk to my behavior analyst. And oftentimes they'll come and shadow and they'll say, oh, okay, in this particular situation, it would be better to do this. And the same with occupational therapy. I have a child that I just evaluated to use an AAC device, right? To use an iPad as his words. He, he doesn't have any verbal speech. I had my occupational therapist come in and while I was doing the evaluation about his language skills, she was evaluating whether or not he'd be able to hold an iPad, whether or not he'd be able to touch all of the buttons that I need him to. And, you know, I mean, that's just one example of how OTs and, and a behavior analysts work together with speech language pathologists. And there's a, there's a thousand things that we do every day that we work together that really helps us to treat the whole child and not just the speech child. So to sum that up, I feel like when you have a child with autism, you do need a team. So if you find a speech therapist, a speech language pathologist that says that they're experienced with autism, talk to them, 
ask them what their experience is working with an occupational therapist, with a behavior analyst. I know in our field, and not in our clinic, but I see it, you know, in in the particular groups that I belong to, um, there's not a great relationship between speech therapists and, and behavior analysts. Um, and, and so, because they target very, very similar things, but they do it in such different ways that when they work together, it is a beautiful relationship. So if you have somebody who says that they can do it all, I would hesitate and ask them how their relationship is with these other therapists, because that will give you a good indication about whether your child will be seen as a whole child. I, I can't tell you how many our, our behavior analysts will uh, recommend to a parent that they come in for a speech evaluation and every parent says well they talk okay and so it's really nice to understand that language is such a huge part and that really is a point um, behavior ABA can target a lot of that early developing speech they can do a lot and they do a lot of that early developing language um, which is really fun for me and I've learned a ton working with them to be able to know how, how to target that early developing speech. But when we get, or language, but when we get to those more comp complex languages, ABA falls out of the picture. They don't have the, the ability to recognize those differences in receptive and expressive language delays. Yeah, so overall with language therapy, I like to think of language therapy as just how our brain organizes what we what we say, what we think, how we understand. Um, so speech therapy targets that. It helps people or people to be able to create a network of understanding in, in their minds. So we split that up in two different ways. We split it up between expressive language and receptive language. So expressive language is how we're using words and body language and everything to be able to express our thoughts and wants and needs and feelings. Receptive language is how much we're comprehending, how much we understand. Two of the biggest things that I see is I see with expressive language, they have a really hard time telling stories. They have a really hard time saying what their wants and needs are. When they're little, they may not have any words. That's an expressive language issue. When they're older, they may have a hard time telling stories. That's an expressive language issue. When we come to re receptive language, when we come to receptive language, receptive language is understanding. So with my older kids, I see they have a really hard time following directions. It's really tricky for them. Um, with my younger kids receptively, um, they have a harder time answering where questions and who questions and what questions. Those are really tricky for them because they don't understand what the question meant. So you'll say, who, who do you see, um, no, who do you see when you're sick? And they'll say, hospital, right? They don't understand that the who part actually had a lot of meaning in it. They answer a where question because where is one of our earliest developing WH questions. So they have a hard time kind of teasing those apart. So that's some of the things that we work on. We'll work on their ability to understand and comprehend. And then we'll also work on their ability to express. I think the biggest thing that I see, and this happens all the time, especially with our older kids, is that their receptive ability is quite high. They're able to understand those WH questions. They're able to understand what people are telling them, but they have a major deficit in their expressive language. 
And so people generally tend to overlook them because they understood what the task was. They understood that they needed to go upstairs and find their shoes and put them on, grab their jacket and come downstairs. And so parents say, they're fine. They don't have a, a language disorder, but expressively, it's very, very difficult for them to be able to, to tell you what they want and what they think. And so with our older kids with autism, we if they didn't show frustrations when they were younger, they start to really show frustrations as they get older because they're understanding everything, but they're having a very, very difficult time expressing what they think and what they want. We hope you're enjoying this presentation. At any time, we invite you to go to gemtrain.org and gain the additional guidance from this presenter that can help you fully grow and flourish as you gain the skills and confidence to help those you love on the autism spectrum. If your child is demonstrating any of those deficits, if they're having a hard time following directions, if they're not naming things, if they have a very low vocabulary, um, those are things that speech therapy really helps with. I like to think of speech therapy when it comes to language, so language therapy. We have, so our brain, we have this big brain who is, that is so capable of doing things. Um, and you have very, very intelligent children who have language disorders. So what happens with these children who are very, very intelligent and have language disorders is that in our brain we have, so I think of it two different ways. So the first way that I think is that our brain is just a huge room with a ton of different filing cabinets. So in our brain, we, so you and I, we're able to go to, oh, I know that the top shelf on the third over, that's going to have all of my animals. That's where all of my animals are stored. And so if someone starts talking, talking about, so when someone starts talking about emus, I can go to that file folder. I know exactly where it is. I know what color it is. And I can find out everything that I know. Okay, Emu is a large bird. We find that information. I can find that. However, our children with, with autism or with that have language disorders, it's often very, very difficult for them. If you were to walk into their filing cabinet room, you would just see papers everywhere. They have no idea how to store that information. And then again, if you don't know how to store that information, you're definitely not gonna know how to retrieve that information. And so speech therapy, language therapy, will target how to create this organization system. We do that with storytelling. We help them to be able to organize that information. Okay, there's a beginning, a middle, and end. Okay, let's break that down even further. What happens in the beginning? Oh, I have characters. Oh, I have a setting. Oh, and there needs to be a kickoff. If there's no kickoff, we just have the most boring story in the entire world where we're just talking about how Joe and his friends were sitting on the couch playing video games. And we see that a lot with our children with language disorders. They tell these stories that either are totally boring, where there's no kickoff, or they, they skip the kickoff and then go to other aspects. And so we're able to, so speech language pathologists go in and we figure out how to teach their brain how to store this information. So now maybe they've had it stored really well, their receptive has been really great, but their expressive is really hard, so now they can't find that information. Um, another way that I like to look at the brain, um, as far as language organization is, is that um, the brain is like a whole bunch of pathways. It's a, it's a map. 
And so for you and I, when I talk about, you know, okay, let's, let's talk about animals. If I were to say, name me all of the animals you can, you'd be able to name me a thousand if I gave you enough time, right? So you have a super highway in your brain that goes from the category of animals to any other aspect of your brain because you're able to find cows over here in farm. You're able to find lions over here in zoo animals or, you know, African animals. You're able to find, you know, barracudas. You're able to make all of these connections. So our kids with autism or language disorders, they have a very, very difficult time and with finding that information, they have a really hard time making categories or associations. And so what I compare their brains to is they just have little dirt paths that go from the animal category to any other animals spread out throughout their brain. And so again, language therapy goes in and we teach them how to make super highways and we give them the skills that they need to know to how to create those super highways so they don't depend on me to create every single superhighway, we teach them organization systems. One concern that constantly comes up, especially as a child gets older, is the relationship that a parent has with their child with a disability of any sorts, and especially with autism. Autism is so tricky because they look so, so neurotypical. There's not very much about them that you can, even as a parent, knowing that you have a child with autism, it's still so hard to take that part of your brain and say everything is different, right? And it tends to be that most things are different. I'm not taking it away. You can still live a full and happy and complete life with autism and with a child with autism. So I don't want you to think that I'm saying that because a child has autism, that they're not, that you won't be able to live that full life. You can. However, as human beings, we still have a hard time processing what exactly that means. So I have lots of parents who have concerns about how their relationship is going with their child. In fact, I see lots of parents who have been having, their child has only been receiving mental health therapy for the last year, and they haven't been making much progress. So those are the ones, I, I love those families because I can then work together with that mental health therapist and we can start talking about where they're, they're actually understanding, where their receptive skills have maxed out. We, he looks like he's 14, but his receptive skills are still down here where he's seven. And so we're talking to him as he's 14. He should be able to understand. First, you have to do the dishes and wash the car, and then you can do an hour of video games. He's 14, he should be able to understand that. But we see often that he's at a seven-year-old level. We have to do some things very, very differently about that. Maybe he needs a visual. Maybe he needs to be able to see what exactly is expected out of him because his receptive skills are so tricky. So that creates a huge difficulty um, in your relationship if we put these expectations on our child and he's not, he's not there. And so a, spe a speech therapist can help you to be able to determine where he is. We have some fabulous standardized assessments that we use. So a standardized assessment is simply just a test that they gave to hundreds or thousands of children that are 
of all different ages, and then they get and then they get kind of the same answers. And it can be across the country, it could be across the world, depending on the assessment that you're giving. Um, and so what they do is they just take all of these answers that children have been given and they decide, oh, okay, we can see that clearly most of the children are right here. So if they're on this end or if they're on this end, they're either, you know, really, really high. We don't see these answers very often or they're going to show me some deficits. And so we take these awesome standardized tests that we have and we're able to kind of really tell you, okay, your child is understanding spoken paragraphs at a five-year, two-month-old level. And I feel like this has helped my parents so much to know I can't talk to my child like they're 14. I have to talk to my child like they're five. Does that mean that your child is unintelligent? Absolutely not. Your child probably has incredible intelligence with creativity or understanding video games or, you know, understanding how things move very quickly. Your child, it doesn't take away with how intelligent your child is. That simply means that as far as understanding language, they're having a hard time. So parents, let me give you practical tips about how to help your child if you feel like they're having a hard time completing tasks. One of the best ways that I teach consistently is having a visual. So many of our kids with language disorders are very, very visual because they're having a hard time understanding language. So get pictures, draw stick figures. It doesn't have to be fancy. You don't have to buy something off of Etsy or Teachers Pay Teachers. It can be as simple as a stick figure and you just draw what they need to do. Get a whiteboard, put it on your refrigerator, draw what they need to do. Um, if they're a little higher, if they can read, take those steps, break those steps up, put every single step that they need to do. Keep in mind that we have, we also have in following directions, we also have what we call embedded concepts. So if you say, I need you to get two oranges out of the fridge. Okay. Now they have to remember that it was two and it was oranges and then fridge. They're going to remember fridge and they're going to get there and they're going to say, what was I supposed to get? Right? So keep in mind as you break those directions down from them for them, you know, keep it really simple. Don't worry about making full sentences. Make it very just clear and concise exactly what you need to do. Draw pictures to the side. Even if your child is reading well, do that. Now that we've discussed the different types of play, let's talk a little bit about how that looks functional at home. So if you have the exploratory play, if your child is not doing exploratory play, if they're not shaking it, banging it, putting, in the, putting it in their mouth, exploring their environment, help them to be able to do it. Maybe there's something that they really like. Maybe they like the crinkly toys that make noise. Put it just out of their way or put it right in their way and then give them something else that makes a similar sound to that. You can try tinfoil, right? I mean, don't let them eat that, right? But you can put something that's going to crinkle and make similar noises to that. So now they're kind of exploring, wait a second, I'm in control of my environment. I can start to explore what's around me. Wait, that tasted different. I would like some more of that. Let me start communicating with mom. I would like more of that, right? Exploratory play is a great way where children start to actually realize that they can manipulate their environment. What a powerful thing for humans to be able to recognize that they can manipulate their environment through communication. 
Um, ultimately, that's what communication is. We're just manipulating everything around us is we're communicating. We use manipulation in most often in negative terms, but it's not. When it comes to communication, I tell you how I feel, right? I'm not manipulating you to feel the same way that I do, but I am manipulating you to now understand what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling. S ways that you can do functional play at home is you can help your child begin to pretend. Let's hold the baby. Let's feed the baby. Oh, the baby is crying. Let's make the baby feel better. You can take those, those functional items that you've been doing relational play before. You can build a house out of Legos and you know have the night right up and start doing kind of more of that functional play. I'm going to build a house, right? Your child may not be the knight, but you can kind of start to demonstrate to them what that looks like, that we can really start to make this a functional world. It's not just about how things are relating to each other. It's about how we can be creative. This is a great start to be able to really interact with your child, that you're really having those moments where you guys are joining together and engaging in the same task. The reason that I started the autism clinic is because I met so many families who were not getting the services that they needed, who felt lost um, and overwhelmed. If I could tell you as a parent with autism, um, one thing, it would be that there are so many people out there who want you and your child to succeed. Sometimes those services are hard. Sometimes they require a lot of sacrifice. But I can tell you that as you continue to work hard, and it is hard work, and your friends and your family may not understand that. I feel like that's something that I get told all the time. Oh, my, my friends tell me that they don't have autism or they're high functioning and so this should be easy for me. I know that this is difficult and this is hard, but I can tell you that as you continue to, to do these hard things and to make those sacrifices that no one else is gonna understand, that there will be incredible, that there will be incredible blessings that will come to you and your family. As you tap into the way that your child thinks and you tap into the beautiful world that your child lives in, which is gonna be a little different than the world that you and I live in, but as you tap into that and you find people along your path that will help you access that, you will find that there is incredible beauty in being a parent to a child with autism. So don't give up hope. Take your day, like go take a bath, eat some chocolate, get some respite care. Utilize the resources that you have because this is not easy. But stay strong because you are doing an incredible work. We hope you have enjoyed this presentation. We now invite you to go to gemtrain.org and gain the additional guidance from this presenter that can help you fully grow and flourish as you gain the skills and confidence to help those you love on the autism spectrum.